Hello there, a quick uh, short preface before the actual episode begins. I think around the one minute plus mark I mentioned the year and I, I should have said 2021 but 2020 slipped out. So I just want to let you know that I was aware of that and uh, enjoy the episode. Greetings. This is Psychology Concepts Explained. This is your host, Dr. Jack Truong. I'm a psychology professor based right now in Texas, and the colleges that I teach for are in Washington State. Yep, that's how I roll. And I've been a full-time community college instructor since 2000, Uh, retired in a sense, or temporarily quit that full-time gig In 2010, we moved overseas, lived in Thailand and Taiwan, and explored Southeast Asia for several years and returned about a couple, roughly two years ago, back to uh, Texas. And hopefully after the pandemic, we'll be on the road again. So um, we as a family fully take advantage of this uh, remote working. uh, It used to be called uh, Location Independent Lifestyle back in the day. All right. And, uh, well, it's January 7th. Wasn't it just a week ago that we were all optimistic and celebrating the end of 2020? Thinking 2020 has got to be better, right? And then all of a sudden on January 6th, as you know, in Washington, D.C., all hell kind of, or did, break loose there. Anyway, this is not going to be entirely about the politics, But looking through my topics for future podcasts, I was thinking, oh, okay, it's Thursday. It's about time to record another one, trying to do two per week at least. And I thought, well, because of current events, why don't I talk about this topic today, which is what most students may not realize, the best-kept secret of any college and university is... Drum roll, the counseling center, right? The university or college counseling center. And for K through 12, you have it too in the in terms of having a school psychologist, right? Every school district should have school psychologists available. And these services should be free. It depends on the college or university. I'm talking about the United States, but Some colleges might charge a very, very small fee, but your student fees generally take care of this. Okay, I need some tea. My voice is already hoarse, and it's the second podcast of the year. Hold on. I think most people assume that when they hear counseling, they assume it's academic counseling, and of course... Counselors are available to do that. Advisors and counselors help you uh, to choose your courses and and plan your degree plan, right? But a lot of people just don't know what a wonderful free service this is, is to basically have free psychotherapy available. Now, we're not talking about counseling light in that, oh, it's it's an academic setting, so the kind of therapy or counseling you get It's not the same when you're out in in the private workspace and you're seeing a a therapist. Uh, That's wrong. The credentials of someone at a university or college counseling center 
are similar to those in the private sector that you seek out in private practice or through an employer. Um, they call it an employee assistance programs, EAP, right? So many companies would hire out to a counseling uh, clinic and uh, supposedly, well, it should be, that what you talk about in those settings are held confidential. And uh, that is the case for the university counseling centers. So let me just talk a little bit about the credentials of the people that work there and uh, kind of what to expect from signing up to maybe the therapy process, okay? And uh, maybe this will be helpful for some of you. And again, going back to the original reason for why I'm choosing this topic today is that I think these kinds of large events, um, including the pandemic and the economy, uh, people losing their jobs, losing their lives, you know, grief, it's going to take a toll. And even without these things, I would recommend any student to seek out counseling from the counseling center. You do not have to wait and have a reason to go. You can just go. If everything in life is going great, you you have your occupation, your family's okay, they're, they're, you know, you're just trying to pass the time and gut it out through the pandemic, but you're personally doing fine, that's also a great time to go seek counseling. Because what better way to learn more about yourself and maybe to learn about some self-improvement techniques than while you're doing great, right? While you're not under the duress or under extreme anxiety and all that. So I encourage everyone to try it out because you will regret it when you're finished with your academic career and you're out there working in the real world and you'll have to pay a copay or pay out of pocket for counseling or only go when there's a crisis and you realize afterwards that, oh, this is actually very beneficial. Why didn't I just do that when it was free and freely available? Okay, so the staff that would work at a counseling center, and I should tell you that, you know, I've been an academic just about all my life, right? I went through the school and got my PhD and then, you know, became a college professor. So I've been in this academic environment pretty, pretty much all my working life. And part of my counseling PhD program was to have training, right? Clinical training to learn how to be a therapist, learn how to be uh, a counselor. And those terms are kind of synonymous, uh, counseling and therapy. So my first year in the doctoral training program was at the University of Houston Counseling Center, right? And for those of you who are going to graduate school and getting training to be maybe get a master's or doctorate in, in counseling or clinical psychology, the University Counseling Center really is a nice place to start to sort of ease into it because you're likely to get very good supervision because it's an academic environment. They're into teaching, right? Sometimes hospitals and clinics are not really, it could be the luck of the draw. You might get an institution that's really good about training. You might go somewhere where they just want to put you to work because they're shorthanded, okay? So the University Counseling Center was a great place to learn the fundamentals and to learn and put theory into practice, which is kind of a scary thing coming from the perspective of the trainee, you know, having your very first counseling center session and wondering, am I really going to be able to help this person who's a, a real-life person who has real-life needs, and uh, what if I screw it up, right? All these thoughts go through your mind. But in any way, let me reverse the role and talk about what it's like to be a student and what to expect. So... 
look for credentials. The counselors at any college or university counseling center should, at the very least, have a master's degree in counseling. So those initials are usually LPC, Licensed Professional Counselor, right? Or you may see LMSW, a Licensed Masters of Social Work, or LMFT, Licensed in Marriage and Family Counseling, or Doctorate Degree, represented by a PhD, that's just more years of graduate school, in counseling or clinical psychology, okay? Uh, yeah, those pretty much would be it. Um, or a PsyD, sorry. There's also this Doctorate of Psychology, uh, which is PSY.D, period. Okay, PsyD degree. Those are doctors of psychology, and they're also very much focused on clinical training with that degree. I may talk about that next time. I may have talked about it briefly in several podcasts, talking about the, the credentials of, of um, different professionals. Okay, so all of these are credentialed people. Now, since, since the University Counseling Center is a training environment, then you may end up seeing someone like myself back in the day, a trainee, okay? And you should know that up front. And you can uh, also talk about your preferences when you sign up. Like, who would you rather see, a licensed practitioner, or are you okay with seeing a graduate student who's in training, okay? So college counselors in their job is not just about providing these one-on-one, -on -one, you know, confidential psychotherapy sessions, right? What they also do is they do a lot of workshops on campus in terms of self-help, self-care, test anxiety, stress management, that kind of stuff, okay? It's just a wide range of topics that would offer students support during their academic life. Hello, friends. Let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals. And oftentimes, life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self-help. It's actual professional counseling, but it's done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over 20,000 counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training. And this is also about accessibility, if you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person, then this could be a great solution for you. So this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. So again, accessibility. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. 
So visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash PsychExplained and join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash psych explained you can see the link in the show notes thanks again to better help for sponsoring this episode of psychology concepts explained now because of the pandemic you have the op- and it's easy to find them by the way just go to your college or university homepage and do a search and you should be easily find the counseling center okay and, and in the process of how to make an appointment. Um, now, I know for a fact that with the colleges I work for, they're, they are offering remote counseling, right? So it could be over the phone. It might be video. I'm not sure. But it uh, depends on perhaps uh, what you agree to, to use and what's comfortable for you, okay? And so in person, I'm not quite sure. You would have to check with your college or university because of COVID, whether or not they're having in-person counseling. I would guess it's less likely just because that's two people sitting in a room for about 45, 50 minutes, and that's not the safest environment in terms of COVID precaution. But then again, double-check with the college. All right, so what to expect? You should expect that what you say in a counseling session to be nearly 100% confidential, okay? Your counselor will walk you through this during the first session. That's what you typically would do with a very new client. And uh, I don't use the word patient because we're not in a hospital setting. So you use the word client or student. And you lay out the rules. Oftentimes these are state policies, university policies. They kind of overlap. They'll let you know that what kinds of things are pretty much confidential, meaning that only you have kind of like your medical records. They're, They're private. No one can have access to them, not even uh, your relatives or your parent, your guardian, okay? Um, The rules might be slightly different with minors. You should double-check that. But if you're 18 and above, then you're the adult. You're in charge of your own psychological mental health care, okay? And uh, so these are state rules. Now, there are your counselor will tell you what are the limits to confidentiality, right? There are some things that you will say that a counselor cannot hold private, They, whether that's a risk. And there, there's a list of these. I'm just giving you some examples. If, you, if they think and you say that you're at risk for harming yourself and that's something you cannot control or that you've committed a crime or that you have uh, intention of hurting someone else, okay? So they have a duty to inform authorities or the duty to maybe hospitalize you um, if that's needed, right? So that is all explained up front. You should have that information. If they go straight into a counseling session without talking about these or without your signature on something, then that's probably not the, the good procedure. So let me back up a little bit. So once you make that first contact, likely you'll fill out a form, and that's called an intake form. Um, whether that's a hospital setting or university, 
you know, the forms are different, but they ask generally the same information. Some of your demographic information, like your age and all that. But the the main thing you want to write down is the reason that you are seeking the counseling center, you know, what they can help you with, okay? And I mentioned this in a different podcast, but uh, I said that in my experience uh, at the counseling center, a lot of times students who go to counseling center would write down something like, um, I can't focus, I can't concentrate, my grades are dipping, okay? <clears throat> so it's usually related to uh, academics. They don't really think about it as, oh, I have a disorder or I have a lot of, you know, I have depression or I'm bipolar. They don't think in those terms usually. And that's pretty common. So you don't have to diagnose yourself. Right? That's not your job. Your job is just basically be honest and talk about, well, you know, if if you're doing great, like I explained before, you just want to try out counseling, you can write that down too. You just want to learn a little bit more about how you can be a, a more effective person or, or whatever. Okay. So, um, so that's, that's part of that process. And then you schedule an appointment and all that. And then once after your first session, you can decide with your counselor whether you want to meet once a week or every other week, or if you're really having severe anxiety or depression, you may meet um, every other day or, or even more frequent. It depends on, on the availability and the schedule of the counselor. Okay, so let me back up one step. I'm looking through my outline here, and I, and I kind of missed something. Back to the credentials, right? What does the license mean when it comes to licensed practitioner? I know you know that your doctors and nurses have licenses, right? So and, and to drive a car, you need a license. So the basic idea here is about regulation. Okay, it's about quality control, right? And it's also sort of a, a hurdle to get into this special club, Right, you have to pass a licensing exam, which means they have a, you've meet you've met a certain minimum amount of competency and knowledge in that field, right? Just like taking an automotive license exam, right? You have to prove that you can at least drive safely, right? And if you do not drive safely, your license can be suspended or revoked. So, for a psychologist or for a therapist to have their license revoked, chances are they have complaints made against them for unethical behavior, that kind of thing, right? And those things honestly do happen, okay? Um, and the reason those kinds of things happen, whether it's inappropriate sexual behavior or, or whatnot, is because when you're in counseling, the client is in a very vulnerable state, right? They're in need. They're relying on this professional to help them and telling this professional things they may not have told anyone else, right? Very private things, very intimate things. Chances are the counseling room is a very comfortable place, right? It, you, I can use the word intimate in a sense that it's quiet and you're talking with one person. It feels very safe. So for a therapist and counsel or counselor to violate that, that is a huge deal, Right? So they can lose their... So what does it mean when you lose your license? It's just like when you lose your driver's license. It doesn't mean that you cannot drive. You can still have a car key in a car and go drive, but then you're driving without a license. You know, out there, there might be practitioners out there doing medical stuff, you know, offering therapy or counseling without a license, right? And you may not know, okay? Or the clients do not know. But what happens is that there's very little recourse 
or less recourse if you're working with someone who doesn't have a license, right? It's like being in a car accident with someone who doesn't have a license or doesn't have insurance, right? Um, so the license is there to protect the practitioner and to protect the client, right? Because the licensing board can issue punishments or with, withhold a license, suspend a license, investigate their behavior, right? And so legally, someone cannot practice therapy without that license. So if they do, then they would be, go under other, have other kinds of problems if they're caught, right? They'll, they'll have other kinds of uh, legal punishments and can be sued. But so the licensing board is the first line of defense and protection. And if you're out there outside the counseling center environment and you're seeking therapy, you know, you can, there's probably a way to find out from the state licensing board and look up the person to see if they have any, any history or to check if their license is current. Okay. All right. So back to the intake process. Um, you can state a preference. Um, if you want a counselor of the same sex, that's okay. If you feel more comfortable, if you're a man talking to another man or, or whatnot, that's up to you. Uh, you might be able to ask a preference for age. If you have issues with older people, younger people, you want someone with a little bit more life experience, that's okay. You can just state whatever preferences you feel comfortable with and they'll try to accommodate you. Okay. And, uh, and, after one session, if you just don't get the right vibe, you don't feel safe for some reason, you feel like maybe your counselor is distracted or they're not completely listening or they don't quite get or understand you, maybe because of cultural reasons or whatever the issues you're bringing up, you kind of feel like they're not quite there, uh, it's okay. you know. And from the counselor's point of view, it may not be anything they're doing wrong. It's just that maybe... Deep down, you have some past conflicts with someone of a certain age, and that counselor happens to be of that age, and it kind of unconsciously affects you, but you, you're not really aware of it, right? And so it's okay to say, well, when you make an appointment next time, can I choose a different counselor? And no one's feelings will be hurt. People working in the profession expect this, okay? And they should tell you, in fact, during the first session, is, hey, you feel free to choose anyone you want. It's okay just to see someone for one session and change. And a true professional should be okay with that. And again, these are paid by your student fees. They're completely free. The number of session, how frequent, how frequently you want to go is up to you. Um, it is more, say, respectful or polite that if you decide not to continue to at least let them know than to just no-show, right, have an appointment and not show up because that happens quite often um, when... In a college environment and it's free, you feel like, well, since it's free, you have no obligation to tell them if you're going to come or not. Well, that's not really true, right? You, you should really just tell them if you're, you want to reschedule or not come, right? You should still give them that respect. But that's happened a lot based on my experience, you know, and it's not any fault of the therapist. Oftentimes, a student may feel overwhelmed and just having one hour to vent, they feel a lot better. And they go and they move on, you know, they don't feel like the need to come back and talk about any kind of deeper issues and all that. And that's okay. Uh, if, you know, if you just want to go as needed. But there, there is something to say in a positive sense, when, as a client, you're able to work with someone that you just sort of can communicate clearly with, 
They fully understand what you're saying. Um, they're they're great at listening and and helping you to discover things about yourself, about you know problem solving and about doing things in a more efficient or better way, helping you resolve issues in your relationships or or whatever. You know, there there's quite a lot to be said about that in terms of the benefits of you know learning coping skills, you know that kind of stuff. And don't be surprised if your therapist gives you homework assignments, right? Not the kind that will interfere with your school homework assignments, but just little assignments, maybe to start a journal or maybe to uh, use a certain technique uh, in your communications with other people, right? So it's not all about just talking about your feelings and all that. I mean, a lot of it could be psychoeducational, where you may even get handouts related to certain subjects to enlighten you about some things that, you know, life changes you can make or strategies you can have, even with regards to taking tests and managing test anxiety. You know, all those things could be discussed in the therapy session. Okay, I think that's pretty much the main points I want to get across, that the college and university counseling centers is your best friend, okay? It's uh, a terrific resource that I think any college student, really, during your time in college, whether you're at a two-year community college, four-year university, or in graduate school, that you should take advantage of, okay? There's absolutely no shame in it, right? Not only was I a trainee, but I was also a client at some point. And also going through graduate school, we were all encouraged to seek our own private therapist to talk about that. Also to experience what it's like to be the client so that you have greater empathy when you're working with the client as in the role of a counselor. Okay, so for those of you who might want to seek out psychology and uh, counseling as a career, you definitely should. I think of it as a requirement. You should seek out counseling for yourself so you understand the dynamic and you can actually see what an effective or hopefully not uh, an ineffective counselor does in a counseling session. Okay. All right. Um, There are many ways to contact me. Thank you for listening. So just uh, look under the description and I will see you again in the next podcast. Have a good day and be safe and take care of yourself. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor? Um, Just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review, okay? And you can also contact me directly using the links in the description, whether it's Twitter or email, with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better. And uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.